Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Tuesday, December 12th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in the New York tri-state area. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Christina Lulich. And I'm David Escobar. And here are your headlines for today. A Bronx building in Morris Heights partially collapsed yesterday afternoon, leaving five apartments exposed. The FDNY is continuing its cleanup and investigation of the debris. So far, no victims have been found. The seven-story complex has received hundreds of complaints about the building's facade and scaffolding infrastructure. Last month, the Department of Buildings issued a $2,400 fine to the building's owner for deterioration and broken mud sills. And back in 2020, an engineer's mandatory inspection revealed the building's brick facade was unsafe. The MTA provided warm buses for residents who were left on the street after part of the building came crumbling down. Roughly 31 households have been displaced because of the collapse. New York City Council Speaker Adrian Adams is supporting a new initiative that could change the way NYPD report traffic stops. The How Many Stops Act would require police officers to document low-level traffic stops, like when a police officer stops someone to ask where they're going or ask for their ID. These are incidents where people are legally free to leave. Proponents of how many stops say low-level police encounters often lead to escalating violence and unlawful arrests. The idea is for police to document all traffic stops in the same way they're already required to document stop-and-frisk encounters. So, like a stop-and-frisk report, officers will have to cite reasonable suspicion or probable cause that a crime is committed. The How Many Stops Act is expected to pass at City Council's last meeting of the year on December 20th. Mayor Eric Adams is subject of an ongoing FBI investigation that's looking into his 2021 campaign. And some of New York City residents are saying if Adams is indicted, then he should resign. A Quinnipiac College poll reported that a record of 58 percent of registered New York City voters disapprove of the job that Adams is doing. But another poll performed by the political consulting firm Slingshot Strategies shows the person that could replace Adams might be a familiar face. Former Governor Andrew Cuomo is the top pick in a field of possible candidates to replace Adams if he were to leave office. Cuomo is polling at 22 percent, and his runner-up is public advocate Jumani Williams at 15 percent. The poll also showed 36 percent of New Yorkers are undecided. Governor Ned Lamont is on a mission to fix Connecticut's reputation. Lamont says the nutmeg state has been called out for being sleepy, suburban, and not very diverse. But he's hoping a new rebranding campaign will fix the state's preppy reputation. So the state is reportedly investing nearly $5 million into two separate ad campaigns. The Make It Here slogan celebrates the state's high-tech manufacturing and frames the state as affordable to the middle class. It joins a boosted version of Connecticut's Find Your Vibe tourism campaign that focuses on the state's winter holiday festivities. The campaigns include things like ad placements on trains and in airports, social media posts, and state-sponsored experiences across Connecticut. But the campaign might just be an exercise in futility. A recent survey shows only 50% of Connecticut residents say they're proud of their state. Nicki Minaj's new album release, Pink Friday 2, has given the Barbs something to be excited about. But the fun doesn't end there. Minaj just announced her Pink Friday 2 world tour set to kick off in 2024. She's expected to make stops in the Prudential Center in Newark, Madison Square Garden, and the Barclays Center between March and April. 
Pink Friday 2 is the rap artist's first album in five years. The long-awaited album features a staggering 22 tracks with some songs you might have heard before. Take a listen and see if you recognize this old hit. That's Menage's song, Pink Friday Girls, that samples Cyndi Lauper's Girls Just Wanna Have Fun. Minaj has a history of sampling old iconic hits, like Sir Mix-a-Lot's Baby Got Back on her song Anaconda, and 2023's Barbie World with Ice Spice. And as we lead up to the holidays, today we're celebrating National Poinsettia Day. The flower's connection with the holidays goes back to 16th century Mexico. According to legend, a peasant girl wanted to celebrate Jesus' birth, but had no gift to offer because she had no money. So an angel tells her to give any gift with love. The girl gathered weeds alongside a road and placed them into Jesus' manger. The weeds then miraculously transformed into the star-shaped red flowers. For over a decade, The Root magazine has held an annual celebration recognizing African Americans who have positively shaped our world. WFUV's Leah Mallory attended the event, exploring the significance of black excellence and the diversity of the black diaspora. What we're seeing politically is the erasure of blackness. And The Root has always been there to tell our story. No one else is going to do it. And that's why it's so important for a publication that reaches 6.5 million individuals that we tell our stories. That's Michael Clark, the head of Multicultural Partnerships for Geo Media and The Root magazine. He's talking about the Route 100 2023 celebration that happened earlier this month. It's an annual event dedicated to honoring the most influential black Americans across a variety of fields, including entertainment, politics, business, STEM, and activism. And the stars were out for the 2023 edition of the Route 100 celebration, which witnessed its largest attendance to date. The second I entered the legendary Apollo Theater in Harlem, I was greeted by a bustling crowd. As I stood along the red carpet, I saw celebrities like comedian Roy Wood Jr. He says that the event's comforting atmosphere brings him a sense of humility about his own work. A lot of this work is selfless, and it is not always to the fiscal advantage of the people that are doing the work, but it is to the advantage of our people. And I stand in awe and I'm humbled to even be in here and be a part of this because I just tell jokes on Comedy Central. But anytime you can be in a room with people who've worked as hard as you, grinded hard as you, and want something as much as you do, this is one big release. Humility is just one of the many themes I found as I spoke with honorees throughout the night. Missy Copeland is the first African-American principal dancer at the American Ballet Theater. Before receiving an award for arts and activism, Copeland told me she thinks the best part of the event is showcasing what's possible for younger generations of black people. We all help to build up our communities and hopefully we're setting an example for young black and brown children to be able to pursue any field and, and dream big. It's not just about what they're necessarily seeing again on TV or hearing on the radio, but it's us setting an example for what's possible for them. And actor Leslie Odom Jr., who was the stage and style honoree of the night, felt similarly to Copeland. 
for Odom Jr., being surrounded by black excellence made him reflect on his younger self. I think about the 13, 14-year-old Leslie Odom Jr. You know, I think about myself when I was a kid. I would have known everybody's name on this list, and I would have known their work, and I would have been looking at it for hope, for the example, for the standard of excellence. I also spoke with White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, who stressed the importance of honoring all types of black excellence. This is part of American history. You think about black excellence, you think about all of the different industries that are being covered today and people coming from those industries and being honored. This is it. This is part of the history of this country and we have to lift it up. We have to honor them. Following the red carpet, audience members gathered inside the theater for some special performances, including one from Grammy Award-winning artist John Batiste. Batiste said that his parents performed at the Apollo Theater for its staple amateur night two decades before and won, which he said shows the enduring legacy of black excellence associated with this historic venue. If it ain't got that swing. My first time ever playing in New York City was on this stage. First time I've been in Hall, the first time I'd experienced the connection. And I just put it together. That was 20 years ago, and that was also the first time that my family, the generation prior to me, was on this stage. So to receive this honor 20 years later on the stage with y'all tonight is a gift. So thank you so much. By the end of the celebration, Clark said he hopes people left feeling inspired and empowered. Black people are under attack. It's like we're fighting a, a war against our own country. And so if we can bring you in, keep you warm, entertain you, inspire you, and have you think about what can I do to be on that list next year, that is, I believe, the ultimate vision for the Route 100. And so in its 14th year, the Route 100 celebration remains a poignant reminder of the enduring strength and diversity of black voices, especially when they sing together in harmony. I'm Leah Mallory, WFUV News. That was WFUV's Aaliyah Mallory reporting on the importance of celebrating black excellence at this year's Route 100. And that's our show for today. But check back with us tomorrow around 3 o'clock for the latest news, exclusive interviews, and feature stories from FUV. And as always, you can find more from us at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Christina Lulich. And I'm David Escobar. And that's What's What. <laughs>